I don't know if you've ever been taken into a private room at a doctor's office or a hospital, but it's typically not good news. So Dr. V, my optic neurologist, was on the phone and he said, well, I think we found it. Hello and welcome to Known. I'm your host, Mandy McDonald. Known is a podcast all about making God's love for you known. Here you'll find stories from all walks of life. I hope you feel connected to them and known. Psalm 107 verse 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. So let's share some stories. Welcome to season four. I am grateful to have had a break to just rest my mind from podcasting and have time to really think through and plan how season four is going to be a little bit different. And it might sound a little different. The music is different. The intro is a little bit different, but it's still the same thing. Stories about God. And we're going to make each other known. We're going to make our stories known. And more importantly, we are going to make God known. So today, to kick off season four, I am going to tell you more of my story. You probably heard me talk in the past about having a brain tumor or experiencing healing. And while all of that sounds very dramatic, it's just normal to me now. And so I just want to tell you more about that, make myself more known to all of this wonderful community. Now this season, I'll typically start with my guests telling us what they want us to know about them before they share their story. And I've shared a lot about me. (laughs) In show notes, I will link back to previous episodes where I've shared more parts of my own story. But if you've been listening to this podcast, I hope you feel like you've gotten to know me. So you've already got some background on me. So all of this started in September of 2018. In fact, it was a Friday night I believe the 21st of September, I started noticing some blurred vision in my right eye. And I thought, oh, my contacts might be dirty. Let me take those out and put my glasses on. So I did. And I thought, okay, that helped. And then I realized, no, it didn't. (laughs) So Saturday morning with brand new contacts in, I was like, this is weird. And so just being silly, and because our mother had benign brain tumors in the past, I texted my sister, who is my optometrist, and said, I have weird blurred vision in one eye. What is going on? Do I have a brain tumor? Ha ha ha. And she texted back something along the lines of, don't be dramatic. (laughs) It sounds like central serous retinopathy, maybe, which sounds serious. The name almost even has serious in it. But it's actually something that can happen easily and it heals itself. But she said, come into the office Monday and let me check it out for you. So on Monday, my husband took the day off, and as a family, we drove to Huntsville, which is about an hour and a half away, to see my sister. And she did a very thorough exam, including scans of my eye and a peripheral test called vision fields. And I failed the peripheral test in my right eye. And in fact, when she printed out the results, I said, if you held this up, it's in a circle and there's grayed out spots where... Um, I didn't see the lights that were coming on to press the button. So if you can picture that, a circle with grayed out areas and you make a lens and put it over your eye, that's exactly what I was seeing. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what it looks like when I'm trying to see out of my right eye. So she says, I can't see anything wrong looking at your eye with the equipment that I have. So I'm going to send you to a retinal specialist at UAB back in Birmingham. 
I was like, okay. And she didn't seem to be worried or anything, but I started to fear the worst and started to think about things like, I must have brain cancer. I'm going blind. I have MS. I was starting to get afraid. So Tuesday, the following day, my husband took work off again and took me to the eye foundation to see the retina specialist. They did another thorough exam. Um, I mentioned I'd had some headaches. They asked if there were any other symptoms. And I was like, no, not really. My husband was like, what about the smoke smell? I thought, oh, yeah, I have a few times smelled smoke when there wasn't anything burning. And it's been so intense that it's kept me awake at night. And Dr. Mason was like, what? <laughs> Why haven't you told anybody about this? I was like, well, it's not one of those things that I thought was important to tell a doctor. I don't know. It's not something that I knew to be worried about. <laughs> it was just weird. So he decided it must be neurological because my eye and my retina all looked perfect. And he sent me downstairs immediately to Dr. V, my optical neurologist, who did further tests and then determined I needed an MRI. Well, <laughs> I do not do MRIs well. I've had them for my back um, many times in the past, and many times I have pretty much had a panic attack and needed to be medicated to have an MRI. So as we waited for the MRI to be scheduled, sitting in the doctor's office, that was when I finally said out loud to my husband, I'm scared, and I started to cry. And I could tell he was scared too and was trying to be strong, but we both knew neurological could mean MS, brain tumor, other things that we didn't even know about yet. My greatest fears at that moment were becoming a burden to my family, never being able to see what my son looked like past two years old, my son having to grow up without a mom, my son having to grow up taking care of his mom, all the things that we worry about as moms. So on the way to the MRI, both scared of what I might find out and the actual process of having an MRI done, the song Peace Be Still came to mind. And that song starts, I don't want to be afraid. That's the very first line. And I immediately just let out all the fear. I cried and cried and cried. And as I listened to the song, there was a verse that I didn't even remember was in the song. And it's even when my eyes can't see. I will trust the voice that speaks peace over me. Whew. Talk about putting your faith to the test. I was like, okay, God, we are in this together. And I am going to choose your peace. And I'm going to choose to trust you no matter what. Even if this MRI says you have a brain tumor, even if this MRI says you're going blind, even if this MRI says you're not going to live to see your son grow up, I'm going to trust your voice that speaks peace over me. Now, that didn't mean that I was suddenly healed of all my fear <laughs> or doubt or anxiety over having an MRI. That actually was not the case. My first attempt at the MRI was a no-go. I just could not get out of my own head and power through. So we left the office and my primary doctor called in a prescription for something to calm me down. And my sister-in-law met us at our house to watch my son. So 
we go, we bring him home, we go by the drugstore, I take the medication, and somewhere along the way, my husband reached out and held my hand and said, I wish it was me going through this and not you. I wish I could do this for you. And looking back over all of this experience, um, that was one of the moments that I was like, this is, this is God telling me it's okay, because I was experiencing true sacrificial love from my husband. So by the time we got back to the imaging center, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I've had the medication. I want to know what's going on. Let's do this. I was relaxed. And in my head, I was repeating over and over, not today, Satan. (laughs) No matter what is happening, you are not winning the day. So as soon as they started the MRI, (laughs) Started not even starting the imaging, just trying to move me into the machine. I started freaking out again. I was like, I'm so sorry. I just don't know. And the sweet guy who was doing the imaging was like, hold on. So he goes out and grabs my husband and he assured me I didn't have to do it right then if I didn't want to. But he also looked me right in the eyes and said, put the earplugs in. So I did, and then he stood out of the machine, outside of the machine, holding my hand the whole time, which could not be comfortable, but it was the peace I needed. So again, God there for me through my husband that day. I had a lot of thinking time inside of that machine. They did seven rounds of images, and some with contrast, some without. So it was a long time, and I had a lot of time to think. So with each set of images, I tried to repeat something to myself. I tried focusing on peace. So round one, the peace of just, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, turned into, okay, this isn't too bad. Round two, God is with me. God is with me. He is the washcloth covering my eyes. He is the hand holding mine. He is using Ken to be here with me. Round three, peace be still, peace be still. Round four, be strong and courageous. I will be with you. God keeps his promises. Round five, I love my husband. I love my children. I love my friends. I am grateful for my husband. I am grateful for my children. I am grateful for my friends. Round six, peace that surpasses all understanding. Peace that surpasses all understanding. Round seven, you are here, so it is well. You are here, so it is well. So that was all the rounds of the first set. (laughs) Then they had to pull me out of that horrid tube for a contrast injection, which really wasn't that bad, but it just added insult to injury. So the next round, three more rounds. This is almost over. This is almost over. This is almost over. Round two, they're going to tell me what's wrong now. What if it's bad news? I'm starting to lose some of that peace. But round three, I'm going to make it through. I don't want to be the cause of anyone else's sadness. That's when that started to hit me. If it's something really bad, this will make other people sad and it'll be my fault. And of course, looking back and thinking about the people that I have cared for who were sick, I've never blamed them for that. But that's what I was going through, wondering what was happening to me. And I started to think, I'm so sorry, friends and family, if I cause you pain with my own illness. But then I started to think, I am so loved. And then it was over. And I was relieved it was over, but a whole new anxiety came over me. I was about to receive news about what was happening to me physically. As I got dressed, I heard my name called already. I stepped out into the hallway, and Dana, the office manager, 
took us to a private room where my doctor was on speakerphone. I don't know if you've ever been taken into a private room at a doctor's office or a hospital, but it's typically not good news. So Dr. V, my optic neurologist, was on the phone and he said, well, I think we found it and it's not MS. And I was like, okay, thank you. And he said, it looks like you have a brain tumor near the optic nerve and pituitary gland. He said a lot of other words after that and I tried to write them all down, but all I could hear was brain tumor. Brain tumor is like the worst thing that could ever happen, right? I mean, if you watch Grey's Anatomy, Dr. Shepard is pretty much the only person that can give you any hope if you have a brain tumor. It just sounds so dramatic and tragic and like a death knell. Like, this is it. You have a brain tumor. The end. So at the end of our phone call, he told me he was making an appointment with the best neurosurgeon in Birmingham. People travel from around to come see this doctor, Dr. Riley. And I was grateful to know that was coming, but the wait was scary. After we got off the phone, (laughs) my husband just hugged me and let me cry. And he said, you did hear him say that it's benign, right? (laughs) No, (laughs) I did not hear that little tidbit of information. And it is very important. Thank you. So we found out it was a benign brain tumor, but a tumor in my brain nonetheless. And I had seen what my mom had been through with brain tumors that were benign. Um, And I know that there are many people in the world with benign brain tumors who suffer. And I didn't know what was going to happen. Still, what I did know was that I did not have MS. I did not have cancer. There were things that I had been worried about that I could now check off my list. But it just opened up a whole new set of questions. When we had a couple of days to process everything that was going on, both Ken and I wrote down our experiences. I wrote about how exhausted and emotional I was. I wrote about what a trooper my little boy was. He was two and a half. And finding a babysitter on a weekday at the last minute is almost impossible. And he just hung right with us until my sister-in-law came to the rescue. My husband, he was just a rock. And he always is in this type of situation. He shows his emotions of concern and shares in my fears as my partner, but he also stays patient and strong through all the appointments with the toddler, with me losing my mind with some scary and uncertain news. So after my MRI, we got in the car and just talked, and I told him how I felt while he was holding my hand, how he was being God's hand for me. And I told him what I kept repeating in my head, and we both just cried as he told me what he was thinking at the same time. So I'm going to read you what he said. Mandy and I missed each other when she got dressed for the test, and I had gone outside to get something out of the van. When I came back inside, I saw Mandy lying down on the MRI table. She didn't know this, but I was watching her as she prepared to get into the machine. As I watched through the technician's window, I could see that she was struggling fighting through the fear and having the courage and determination to lay down and enter the MRI machine. I could tell that she was not where she wanted to be, and so I wanted to go encourage her. So I emptied my pockets of all my stuff, phone, credit cards, money, keys, right in the hallway chair because I wanted to get in there to be with her. Once I placed all my things in the hallway chair, I lightly knocked on the MRI room door. Now this is at the exact same time that the technician decided to go get him for me. He was already prepared. 
So Ken says, as the technician opened the door, he asked me if I wanted to come in. I said, yes, I do. (laughs) He told me to take off my watch first, so I left that in the chair too. As I walked over to Mandy, I could see her face and it said it all. She was so frustrated with how she felt. I told her this was not a have to, but I wanted to help her if she wanted to go through with it. She said she really wanted to complete the MRI so whatever it is could be found and addressed. The technician said I could stand by her and hold her hand during the test, but I had to come get my stuff out of the hallway and put it into a locker. So I did. Holding Mandy's hand was the least I could do to help her face this huge challenge. At first, she was tense and had a pretty strong grip on my hand. During the test, I could feel her squeezing firmly, so I squeezed back to let her know I was not going to let go. As I stood there, I got asked God to help me do whatever was needed to help Mandy successfully complete this test. Within a few minutes, or maybe sooner, I felt her re- hand relax to the point that my grip was holding her hand and the weight of her arm. I quickly looked at her stomach for her breathing rate and could see that she was breathing much slower and matched her relaxed grip and arm. I watched the timer and thought of how the machine was painting Mandy's brain with each series of scans. That is when I thought how Mandy could relate to the MRI process as a painting being created one layer at a time. I thought of her eye socket and what might be filling up the display on the technician's monitor. I wanted Mandy to be as relaxed as possible so the image could be as clear as a photograph, picture perfect. After the technician injected the contrast in Mandy's body, the second series of scans started. I forgot to mention the painter's perspective to her during the break. I held her other hand during the second series of scans. Her arm and hand were not as tense, so much so that she rested her arm down to her side, which actually meant that she touched the very wall that had caused her to feel uncomfortable. When she felt the wall, she flinched, but then settled her arm down again. I grinned because I knew she knew where her arm was and that she had realized that she was okay. At one point, I stooped down to peek at her inside the MRI machine and watch her breathing, and she waved at me. I waved back. I did not know that she could see me at all. It was a great moment of nonverbal communication. We had made it through the MRI scans together. I was so very proud of her courage and determination to complete the test at all costs. She is my hero for fighting through her thing, her fear. Lots and lots of courage to face something that she feared. Very impressive to watch and to be part of that with her. I love her so. I love you too, honey. So that Wednesday, the day after my MRI, I got a phone call from Dr. Riley's office to set my appointment. And they said I would need to see both the neurosurgeon and an endocrinologist since my pituitary gland was involved. So they set the appointment for October 2nd. They said I would need a full hormone panel just to get base level information about me. After the phone call, we went to our son's gymnastics class together, and he was silly because we were both there, but I was just so glad to be doing something normal that day. We went out to eat, and we saw a friend who worked at a restaurant that we frequented often, and it was the first time I talked to a new person face-to-face about this thing, which we had started calling Arnold because it's not a tumor. I was so anxious to say it out loud. So Ken had to say it for me, but once it was out there, I didn't have any trouble talking about it. It was a Wednesday, so we went to church, and it was nice to be around my friends. I told two more friends, and they were so sweet to listen to me. So the following day, I got another phone call to get some information for my files, and for some reason, it started to feel normal already to be making appointments and giving out information about medical history. I suppose it was that piece that I prayed for, and I also realized just how healthy I really have been and how little 
personal medical information I had to share. As the days went by between the MRI and the appointment with the neurosurgeon, we received phone calls and texts and emails and encouragement from so many friends and family. And I just, I was just feeling more and more peace and love from other people. I found myself not wanting to make plans for the months ahead. Not that I was concerned that I wouldn't be around, but I wasn't sure what life was going to look like. Was I going to have surgery? Was I going to have some sort of treatment? Was my lifestyle going to have to change? So I felt like I was just in a holding pattern. I was eager to get things done so that we could live our lives as normally as possible. I still at that point hadn't told everyone. I hadn't made it public, I suppose, Facebook official. (laughs) So we were trying to decide how we would announce it um, to the rest of our friends and family Um, we were trying to decide how to let our church family know, but what do you say? Like, Hey, I have a tumor, but it's not that bad. So we spent some time talking about how to share the information in a lot of different ways. And that was kind of hard to do. So as the days went on, reality started to set in a little more. I started to admit my fears a little bit more and let myself cry a little bit more. But I also tried to just keep being as normal as possible. My if table was gathering that weekend. I decided we were going to go for it. One of my friends, Allison, who is always stepping in the gap, she was like, I'm making all the food. Don't worry about anything. We're just going to show up. And I decided now is the time to accept help and ask for help when I need it. Also that day, we had a day of prayer at church where people signed up for different times to come pray For the staff and visitors, kids, teens, ministries, we also prayed for Arnold to just go away. We talked to my preacher about my diagnosis. I thought he already knew, so I just said, well, I have a brain tumor when he asked me how I was doing, and of course he was shocked. Um, I forgot that everybody wasn't on the whole journey with us, and that's when I kind of realized like we had all this time to process during the diagnosis wondering the worst, and were given better news than what we had feared. And to everyone else, this was just completely out of left field. So the next day was Sunday, and I decided I wanted to tell the church what was going on because I coveted their prayers. He invited the church to pray together. And, of course, he encouraged anyone who wanted to surround me to do so. And We had sat in the back that day, and I don't even know how many people were around me, but it felt like all of the saints. And my friend Sarah knelt down directly in front of me and looked me in the eyes and said, I want to put my hand on your head. Is that okay? And I was like, yup, (laughs) I will take whatever anybody feels led to do right now, please. And so as I closed my eyes for the prayer, I said, God, please give me a vision as we pray. I didn't know what that meant. It's not something that I have thought to ask for before, but I did then. And so I closed my eyes and We prayed, and I wish I could remember the words that were prayed, but Sarah had her hand on my head, and what God showed me was bubbles. (laughs) I thought, bubbles, Lord, okay, kind of like a lava lamp look, or what it really looked like is, you know, in a movie when somebody jumps from up high into a body of water, and you see them underwater, and there's just tons of tiny bubbles floating up all around them. That's what I saw. And I had no idea what it meant. I was like, well, okay, 
he didn't really give me a vision, maybe. So then my appointment comes the following Tuesday, and we spent the entire day at the Kirkland Clinic seeing doctors and nurses being poked, prodded, more scans. And let me just insert here that I have so much respect for people who battle illness and disease on a daily basis. This was a really hard day, but it was just one day of my life. There are people who do this. I think of dialysis patients who go daily, chemo patients who go weekly or every couple of weeks. It's, it's a lot. This was a lot. This was overwhelming. And this pales in comparison to what other people have to deal with. So my neurosurgeon, when we saw her, wonderful doctor, she explained to us that what I have is not a solid mass, but a cyst. So it's fluid filled and it's called an arachnoid cyst. So because of my previous vision issues, my vision was being affected. She decided to schedule surgery for November 2nd. More scans and tests were ordered, including new vision fields, which is the original test my sister did of my peripheral vision. So now I have resigned myself to the fact that I have a brain tumor that has to get out of my head, which means I have to have brain surgery. (laughs) And the reason it was a month out is because I wanted to get through Halloween with my little boy and go trick-or-treating with him and have some normal time because of the risks of brain surgery. And of course, they tell you, all of the risks, and all of the risks are pretty scary. And some of those risks included hormone imbalances and having to be on hormone treatments for the rest of my life and all these unknowns. And the thought of brain surgery was really giving me a hard time with my peace. So the new vision fields showed that my vision had returned completely. The headaches that I had been experiencing had gone away And my doctors decided after all these tests that after all, I did not need to have surgery at this time. So for a while, I went back every six months for an MRI and new vision screenings. And now I get to go once a year. The next one is coming up very soon. In fact, three days after this episode comes out, I will have my new scans. And I am faithful that I still won't need surgery. God healed me. And I don't say that flippantly, but I believe that I am healed. Now on my scans, it looks exactly the same as it did when I was losing vision. Nothing has changed on the images. My vision has changed completely. So what I believe I was seeing when God gave me the vision of bubbles as Sarah laid her hands on my head during prayer, I believe he was showing me that he was removing what the cyst was doing to me. I believe God did that for me. I believe in miracles. I believe that God still performs them. I believe that God still heals, and I believe that God still uses His people to heal. Now, I know that people see things in many different ways. For instance, I do not believe that God gave me this tumor. I believe God used this tumor to change my heart, to focus my vision, (laughs) literally, and figuratively, and to display his glory and his power of healing. I don't believe that there's something special about me that made him choose to heal me in this way and not someone else. 
I don't believe there's something special about me that he wants me to be healed and not somebody else. I believe that God healing the effects of this tumor in me caused something in me to wake up. After I was diagnosed with this tumor, I knew there was something I'm supposed to be doing. I was taking inventory of my life. What am I doing for God? I'm, I'm raising this child. I'm a wife. I'm volunteering in all these ways. But what am I doing for God? Am I doing these things for me? For other people, to please other people, or am I doing these things for God? So when God healed me, I thought, okay, Lord, I'm in this with you. I'm paying attention. What would you have me do? And that's when I started writing and thinking about how much I love to share my own stories, and I love to understand other people better by hearing their stories, and I love to connect my story to other people's stories, and this podcast grew from all of that. So while right now I am healed, and I still have not had brain surgery, maybe he healed me for a time, and that's okay too, because God is sovereign. He knows what is best for me. He knows what is best for his kingdom through this story, through your story, through all the stories that we have shared so far on this known podcast. So I can't share my story of being healed without giving you all of that backstory and all of the ways that God was healing me bit by bit along the way. He was healing me of some pride and thinking that I was invincible to disease or health problems. He was healing relationships, not that I had any horrible relationships in my life, but just reassuring me through those relationships, showing me how much people do love me and how I don't have to work hard for that love. Love is not works-based. He opened my eyes to so many things. He opened my eyes to other people who have much more serious health issues and health complications. He opened my eyes to how he heals people regularly. It's not, it's personal and special to me, but I'm not special. He does this over and over and over for his people in so many different ways. And sometimes that healing means you no longer have to suffer on this earth and I'm bringing you home completely healed to me. So because of this story, because of my healing story, I know that I know that I know That God performs miracles, yes, because He loves us and because we ask Him, but He performs them for His glory, for His purpose, and so that the world will know that He is God. So my hope is that you have heard my story and been inspired by God. My hope is that you pray for people who need healing And then if you feel that prompt to lay your hands on someone, do it. If you feel a prompt to walk in circles around their home while they rest, do it. I have been so fortunate to be in a church that takes prayer very seriously. And we have met in people's front yards to pray for them while they have slept in their beds. We have laid hands on each other. We have walked in circles around hospital beds. We have seen healing in so many ways 
so many times, and I am convicted that the Lord still heals. Do you need healing? I want to pray for you if you do. I want you to remember that that the God who raised people from the dead is the same God who lives in us. In James chapter 5, it says, Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Mark 9.23 says, Everything is possible for one who believes. Isaiah chapter 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Psalm 103, let my whole being bless the Lord and never forget all his good deeds. How God forgives all your sins, heals all your sickness. Jeremiah 30, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds. Exodus 15, I am the Lord who heals you. Matthew 11, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Luke chapter 8, when Jesus heard this, he responded, don't be afraid, just keep trusting and she will be healed. 2 Kings 20, this is what the Lord says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears, I will heal you. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. The righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. Psalm 30, O Lord my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. I'm going to list all of these verses and more. (laughs) There's so many verses about healing and we need to pay attention to them. There are a lot of people in our world who need healing right now. So let's cry out together. Let's pray this scripture over those who need to be healed together. So in show notes, I will provide all the scriptures I can think of that have to do with healing so that you can easily find them and pray them over and over and over. Also in show notes, I will link to a blog post about my healing experience. And you can, of course, find me on Facebook and Instagram and my website in the show notes. Um, Facebook and Instagram is Mandy McDonald, M-A-N-D-E-E-M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D. And I would love to hear from you there. And I would love to hear how I can pray for you to be healed.